Hallelujah. Well, folks, it's a great joy, great excitement for us to uh, today reflect on the state of our Rosebank Church. And um, you will know that we typically do this once a year. We just kind of reflect on what God has done. And it's a time where we communicate not just the testimonies, but also the financial performance of our church as well. And um, I want to just clarify that previously, this would be the formal AGM, the one that we would do for the Every Nation Johannesburg. The formal Every Nation AGM we're going to do on the 25th of June, and it's going to be at 5.30 p.m. in the conference room upstairs for two reasons we're doing it at a different time. One, because for the first time this year, we're consolidating not just Rosebank and the central costs and havens into account, but we're taking all of the Every Nation congregations consolidating those numbers uh, totally, which means we want to make it at a time when all the congregations can be part of that AGM. And the second reason is we really want to give sufficient time for people to ask as many questions as they like. And so when we do it uh, midweek on a 5.30, uh, 5.30 p.m., 5.30 to 6.30, and we can go along if we need to, people can then ask all the questions that they'd like to ask. And so tonight, today, we're going to just reflect on Rosebank, our family, and how God has blessed us and what we can report back on. And so today is going to be primarily about acknowledging and thanking those that have been part of doing and delivering in this particular house. We're going to thank our pastors, our lay pastors. We're going to thank our executive team, our staff. But we're going to thank each and every one of you too for the time, volunteering, and for the financial resources that you've sown into this place and into this house. And let's remind each other why we do this. Because remember, folks, that our vision is that we want to see lives, communities, and society transformed, not just converted, but fully transformed, fully reflecting the glory and the honor of God. And how do we do that? We do that through discipleship. Discipleship in what? Discipleship in the Word, in the presence, and in the power of God. And so when I reflect on the ministries today and on the financial performance, remember that it was with this in mind. If we want to know how well we've done, we hold up these criteria, this mission, this vision statement, we say, God, have we been able to add to this or not? Amen. So who is part of Every Nation Johannesburg? Well, we've got some city congregation. That includes Randburg, Rosebank, Ramsach, Bromfontein, Sunninghill. We've got campus congregations, Fitz, Monash, Soweto, Kingsway, Bunting, and Dernfontein. And we have our social responsibility arm, Every Nation African Havens, that is such a special part of who we are and what we do. And that focuses on the poor. That focuses on the widows and the orphans and does a whole lot more. And we'll reflect on all of those today. And so when we look at this, we say to ourselves, well, firstly, let's have a look at some of the testimonies. What are some of the things that we can reflect on? And this is 2018. Reflect on 2018 because I hear runs from January to December. And so how, if we reflect on 2018, what are some of the highlights? Now, these are the ones that we can measure. There's going to be some of these that we can't measure, and all we can give you is our best guess at what we know. In other words, what we can measure right here on a Sunday. But some of these stats you'll see we cannot actually measure and give you an accurate number for. And so if we look at our average attendance here, that's gone up by 7.5%. And if you look at the adult number, it's gone up by just under 100 people. And if you look at the adult and the kids, that's gone up by over 100 people on average. That moves up and down throughout the year, depending on whether people are on leave, etc. But those are the average numbers for the year. Why is that number important? That number is important because we don't see that number as the total impact that this congregation has on the city. 
we see that number as the people that God allows us to influence once a week who in turn will go out and impact and live and impart Christ in the city. And so you know, you've heard us say that our trust, we're trusting God that across the city we will impact the lives of 10,000 people every single week. Because if those 10,000 people can go and impact 10 people during the week, we touch 100,000 people every single week. And that's worth giving God the glory for. Amen. Amen. What about some other stats? Well, almost 1,400 visitors passed through our doors in 2018. And we thank God for the opportunity to be able to touch their lives in some way. There were over 200, there were 278 salvations recorded here. That excludes the salvations in connect groups. That excludes the salvations of where you sat across the table from one of your colleagues last year and witnessed and they received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But right here, right here, those that responded and then came forward and told us they'd responded was 278 people and that's 24 every single month. 30% of that number followed in the act of obedience in water baptism. And 69 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those are the ones we know of that did it right here on a Sunday morning. Connect groups, 233 connect groups in 2018, which is a 15% increase over what we had in 2017. And what's exciting is if you take our number of connect groups and you divide that into the number of people that attend on a Sunday, that's one connect group for every six people which means there's room to grow, amen? And it also means if you haven't got one, I promise you there's one big enough or small enough for you to be part of. And then, of course, Victory Weekend, which is one of the primary tools that God has given us to establish new believers, and even believers that are kind of like needing a bit of a refresher to establish them in their faith, the basic foundations of their Christian faith. And you may not know this, but right now, our kids are on a camp doing their own Victory Weekend, right? And I left there last night, and I didn't want to leave, but I wanted to be, I needed to be here with you. But I was just so excited to see how God was touching the lives of 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, and 12-year-olds that are saying, God, I want to live my life for you. Amen. And so, what are some of the ministries that we have? And remember, each of these ministries are there in order for us to touch lives, touch communities, and touch society. And so our pastoral ministry, which is primarily looking there to look at the general health of our church, the general health of our congregation. And whilst we've invested a lot into counselors and presbyteries, which can deal with crises, primarily we're looking to say, how can we equip every believer with the basics so that they can live preventative maintenance? Because when life throws curveballs at you, how much better that I then stand in the gap for my family and I say, I take control over that situation, rather than having to run off and find Pastor Greg or someone in his team and say, Greg, I need some help. Greg rather encrypts me so that I can do that as the head of my home. Amen. Discipleship. Remember, we believe that God uses every single believer. It's not the 58 staff members of Rosebank that are the ones that are going to be doing all the discipleship and all the work. They are there to equip us so that we can get established, we can be equipped, and we can get out there and do what God has called us to do in the city. And none of that would be possible without prayer. And we just love our prayer warriors. We just want to thank our prayer warriors, those that faithfully pray during the week before the services to see what God has given us in our hearts, to see that become a reality. Kids ministry. You know, the kids are the next generation of adult leaders. 
But you know, they're currently part of, actively part of this generation of the church. Amen. They might lead in the world in the next, in the years to come, but they're leading right now in this church. And I'm just so excited to see the way God is discipling our young people that are passionate about living their lives for Him, passionate about sharing the gospel, passionate about living for something greater than themselves. Youth ministry has become so exciting, mainly because we're seeing an injection of fresh leadership. Do you know where that fresh leadership came from? They were in the kids' ministry and in the teen ministry. And now they're a generation of young adults that are saying, how can we sow back into the generation of youth? And I'm excited to see what God is doing as He disciples our youth. Amen. And then, of course, folks, our worship ministry. How many of you loved worship this morning? Amen. Let's give God a hand. I mean, I love worship. Because it's not just traditional. But how many of you came here, and all of a sudden, five minutes into worship, you realize God doing something in your heart, and you're connecting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And worship, our every nation, um, our worship evenings, which happen once a month, are probably still one of the greatest attended events, recurring events that we have in Rosebank. I mean, if you try and get a parking spot for Thursday evening worship nights, if you're not early, you're parking down the street or at Nando's, etc. but we do it because it's worth it. And it's so awesome when we can spend unhurried time just connecting with the Father. And we have an album that will be released uh, hopefully later this year, early next year, and we all know that those are very, very exciting events too. Social responsibility. Every nation, African havens. You know, folks, this is about the widow. This is about the orphan. This is about the poor. And this is just about us saying this is an active part about who we are as a church, as a ministry, because as we do this, as we touch their lives, we have an opportunity to disciple them and give them a biblical and a godly mandate for their lives. We don't just say, God bless you, go and live for God. We say, how do we get alongside you and help you turn your life around and then at the same time equip you and fill you with the presence, the power, and the Word of God. And I just want to honor David and Caroline Webb, because you know what, folks? I was here when they arrived. Most of you think, were they ever not here? It's almost like they, we could not imagine this place without them. But we want to thank you for the commitment and the love and the sacrifice that you've done. Because not only do they serve the widow and the orphans, but they also provide a covering for other ministries in other ways. For example, when the Fees Must Fall campaign hit and there was a crisis amongst our students and we weren't looking for a home to how we can raise bursaries, they said, hey, we can provide that home for you. And so they provide a covering for a whole lot of other ways that we can build the kingdom of God. And then we've got these facilities. And why do we have these facilities? So that we can be more effective at reaching, at discipling, at equipping, at, con at, at helping people understand who they are in Christ. And I remember when we bought these facilities in 1999, we paid about a million rand for this. We spent about a million rand converting it. Of course, there's been more kind of like renovations since then. But now these facilities are worth over 55 million rand, folks, because God blessed us with this. And as good stewards of these facilities, we constantly say, God, how can we make these more acceptable? How can we be more effective at reaching the next generation, at discipling people and giving them a kingdom mandate? Which is why hosting is so important. Because that's often the front line. When people arrive here, and the first thing they see is our hosting team. 
from being directed to a special parking spot, to having people welcoming them at the door, to then in a, having coffee and muffins and a bit of sugar, as Pastor Sabiwa was sharing uh, afterwards, you know. And so, hosting team, we just want to thank you for what you're doing in this place. And then because we know that not everybody, in fact, very few people are called full-time into the church world, but all of us are called into the real world, into the marketplace, we have a business plenary, and we say, God, help us disciple, equip, motivate, and transform the generation of people that are called into the marketplace. And so how do we govern all of this? How does all this work? And if you've been around for a while, you'll know that we have a citywide eldership and leadership team. You know these people, um, and, um, but it, you may not know the two on the right-hand side as well as you know these others. And that's because the citywide eldership have chosen to say, we would like to submit ourselves to external leadership, external from Johannesburg. Pastor Paul Manwaring lives in the United Kingdom. We have said, Paul, speak into our lives. Guide us, equip us, challenge us. Gillian lives in Cape Town. We've said, Pastor Gillian, please be part of that apostolic leadership over us as citywide elders. Because they impart into our lives and as well, if you feel you're not getting the right level of joy or commitment from this group, you can appeal to these two men to say, we think we need you to come in and help us navigate some difficult situations. Within Rosebank, we've got an Every Nation executive team, and they are a fantastic, amazing, anointed bunch of people. We love these guys. Um, you may be forgiven for thinking that criteria is either to be bald or blonde, that's not the only criteria, but I think it helps. <laughs> and then we have our lay pastors, and these are just an amazing group of people. They do not get paid for what they do, but they carry the load together with our full-time pastoral staff, and we just honor and praise God for them. Amen. <clears throat> the Citywide Elders is supported by subcommittees of people that help them navigate specific areas. And the Financial Advisory Board is one of those areas. The Financial Advisory Board says, we will take responsibility for assessing, advising, and approving budgets, financial statements, and any changes or improvements to those budgets. Like, for example, the introduction of retirement annuities into the salary packages. And we just thank those guys that have been part of the Financial Advisory Board that have been serving as a subcommittee of the elders. And in addition, we have a separate remuneration committee. And the remuneration committee specifically looks at salaries and says, okay, how do we ensure that there's a consistent level for salaries and bonuses that apply across the various congregations? And, um, and what they do is they assess the criteria, the, the assessments from all of the staff, they value, they'd measure it up against performance and against values, and they then make recommendations as to what the salary levels for each person should be. And if you look at those teams, you'll probably notice that it's not as blonde or bald as some of the other committees. We recognize that too, and so we're currently looking at how we can increase and improve diversity in this remuneration committee. And uh, yeah, and uh, watch the space, because we'll have a different committee that's more gender, that has got different gender makeup, different cultural makeup, to make sure that we really are understanding and able to really serve the needs of this community most effectively. Amen. What about the financial report? Well, folks, why do we do this? Why do we spend 15, 20 minutes each service every single year doing this? And we do it for the following reason. Because like the Apostle Paul, we want to make sure that we are able to avoid any criticism in any way. 
This is not just, although it's primarily about being truthful and stewarding before God, this is also about us being faithful stewards to you and to people that would look into this congregation from the outside and say, how do these guys use the money that they raise every single week? And primarily, this is important to us folks because of Luke chapter 16. Because finances, even though it's important, is not the most important. You see, when God says, can I trust you with finances, what we are really saying is, God, trust us with this because we know in your kingdom this is quite small. Because what's much more important are the lives of people. And if you can trust us with something as small as finances, Father, Lord, please trust us with the lives of the people that live in the city of Johannesburg. Amen. And so, that, I mean, let's give the Lord a hand for that because that is really what this is about. And so it's a great privilege for me to present the Rosebank Financials to you today. These have been assessed and signed off by Pastor Simon as our senior pastor, uh, Chris Lund, who is the chairman of our financial advisory board, and of course, Catherine Hector, who is our finance director. And before I get into the numbers, a couple of highlights. The rezoning of this property and the remaining properties is almost complete, and we thank God that those challenges are almost completely behind us. Amen. We have been able to put aside, besides covering all our expenses for 2018, we are so blessed and grateful that we've been able to put aside almost half a million rand into a war chest. A war chest that we're specifically setting aside to say, God, you give us kingdom initiatives and kingdom activities that we can go after, in addition to covering the, exec the, the expenses here, that we can really use to impact the kingdom of God. The bonus last year, we were able to pay 75% of a 13th check, which is the highest it's been in many, many years. And we are trusting that we can continue to bless our staff in that way. And so, friends, if we look now at the balance sheet uh, for 2018, you'll notice that we remain very strong on the asset side. The building being the greatest asset that we have, and we thank God for the way that that has grown. And you may, if you were looking at this, say, okay, but I'm liking everything except what's happened here on the current liabilities. That seems to have gone up by almost 2 million rand. What that is, is a timing difference. You'll see that not only have the liabilities gone up by 2 million rand, but the current assets have gone up by about the same amount. And all that means is that we haven't just suddenly built up a whole lot of debt. It means that money that we owe to the international and the national every nation account was in our bank account at the end of the year. And so within a few days, weeks after the end of the year, that money would have been paid across. And so the current assets would have gone down to the normal level and the liabilities would have then followed suit as well. What about our income statement? Well, it is a great privilege, folks, to say that God has blessed us in 2018. Amen. Amen. God has blessed us significantly. 2018, 28.3 million, which is almost entirely, almost entirely tithes and offerings, money that you've put into this church, is a 19.5% increase over 2017. And that's worth another praise offering. Amen. And how have we deployed that? Well, what we've done is we've said, God, we want to be good stewards. And so 24% of that has been deployed into contributing to Johannesburg, the citywide. In other words, to our campuses. Um, it's been contributing to Every Nation Regional and Every Nation International and contributions to, to Every Nation African Havens. In other words, our social responsibility. So 24% of all of that gets used outside 
of the Rose Bank context. About 10% gets directly allocated to ministries. And that is the part of the ministries that are not salaries. Those are the part of the ministries where I can actually allocate, this was spent for discipleship materials. This was spent for worship training, for example. And so about 10% directly allocated to ministries. Another 10 or 11% to administration, property, maintenance, and projects in support of those ministries. And about 15 million rand in salaries, and we'll have a little greater, uh, more detailed look at the salaries. And as I said, that left almost half a million, about 440,000 that we were able to put into that war chest for special projects, and left us with a small surplus for 2018. And so if we now look at how we double-click into the salaries, that's, those salary below 15 million supports 58 people, not all full-time, some of them part-time, but 58 people in total are supported with that bill. 30% of that are administration staff, 17 in total. 12% of that are um, property and security. And, and um, 60, almost 60% of that, 34 people, are pastoral and ministry staff. And so that's effectively how we spend the salary bill. And if I look at some of the highlights for 2019, folks, and 2020, it's a great pleasure and a privilege for us to say that we're excited about our church plant that's scheduled to take off early in 2020. Amen. Pastor Siv and Marsha. And um, why are we doing that? We're doing that because we know that if we're going to reach and touch 10,000 lives every weekend, we're going to need more than just Rosebank to do that, right? And so we're trusting that as we send Pastor Siv and Marsha, that's going to be part of growing the broader citywide vision. Why? So we can touch more lives, touch more people, disciple more believers, and win more of the lost. We're also looking to improve our staff, equip them more, train them more, because each one of our staff members are saying, we want to be excellent. We want to serve this ministry. We want to serve it as an extension of our walk with God. And so we're saying, how can we help them be more excellent so that we can serve the kingdom and the vision more effectively? And so, folks, these are just some of the highlights that we're looking to and trusting God for uh, in 2019 and as we move into 2020. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the official AGM, which will be a consolidation of all the accounts, will happen on the 25th of June. And we're going to set aside as much time as we need to set aside on that day for questions and answers. But are there, if there are any, if there's one or two particular questions with regards to the slides for Rosebank today, I'm going to just give a moment uh, and see if we can take one or two, if there are any questions. If not, please come along on the 25th of June and feel free to kind of dive into all of those in a greater detail. Any questions? No, then what I would like to do, folks, is if you, if you would mind, I did this in the first service, and if you're a part of this family, if you're not part of this family, then just, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of just bear with us for a moment. But I just want to take this opportunity, and I'd just like to say that I want to just honor this man, my senior pastor and your senior pastor, Simon Lerofolo. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, let's stand and do that, amen? remain standing. I want us to thank the Lord now. Let's thank the Lord and give Him the glory. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the lives that have been touched. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can take your seat. Thank you. It is important to give glory 
and honor to where it is due, and it is to our Father. So it is my joy and honor to bring the word this morning. I was feeling emotional as Dorian was going through the numbers and the testimonies. We don't have time to go through everything, but there are stories behind the story of what God is doing uh, in and through us. So it is really, really my joy to thank you all for your generosity, your time, talent, and treasure. All you do is for the Lord and it's not for men. Amen. So today I'll be speaking about generosity. The reason I'm speaking about generosity is, uh, as we take a pause on the Holy Spirit series, we'll continue next week, is to acknowledge that we will not be able to do the things that God has called us to do if it were not for your generosity. We will not be able to touch the city and do the things that we've been talking about if it was not for your generosity. And I want to speak about generosity, but I need to pause and do something here and say also, let's thank the Lord for the peaceful elections and the peaceful inauguration yesterday. Amen. We have been praying and we saw God answering our prayers and we believe God will continue to answer our prayers. Amen. I want to share a brief story with you as we get to look into the story of generosity. A few years ago, I turned 40. <laughs> a few years ago, I turned 40. You can do the math if you follow the story. And uh, I'm grateful to say that uh, for the first time ever, the vitality age says I'm younger than I am. I took a screenshot just for you, Greg. I'm going to be showing Greg my screenshot. It says that I'm 42, and I'm holding on to it. Someone says, Pastor Ty, what are you doing to lose weight? I say, it's fasting, it's running, and running the church. <laughs> but when I turned 40, a few friends pulled together a breakfast. Rossi, you'll remember the breakfast. It means you're over 40 also. Um, and some people gave me some gifts, and there was this one guy whom I led to the Lord, I discipled, he gave me a gift, it was a book, and at the time, I realized I didn't have the time to read this book, so I put it on my shelf, and uh, with time, I told myself, I'll get to this book, and uh, I completely forgot about it, and uh, this year, early this year, I pulled the book and said, now I think it's re I'm ready to read the book, and as I opened the book, there was an envelope with cash, with cash, four years later, I wish it had, gained, it had gained some interest, the book did not do a good job in gaining me interest, uh, we always enjoy receiving gifts, but it's not about receiving gifts, it's about giving the gifts, but this story reminded me of a story of a guy who, uh, his son asked him to buy him a car, and what he did is, he gave him a Bible instead of a car. And the, this young man was so disappointed, took the Bible and put it on his shelf like I did with my book. And this is what happened. A few years later, the father passed away and then the boy decides to take the Bible just to, to check it out. He opens the Bible, voila, there was a set of car keys, brand new, that's been waiting for him. And it reminded me how we forget that this word has the promises of God. God has spoken about how much he wants to prosper us, how much he wants us to live a life of abundance, not a life of scarcity. It's in this word that we can find our inheritance 
in the promises of God. So let's open this word in Acts chapter 20. That's going to be our main text for today. While you're opening there, I just want to remind you, Proverbs 11:25, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We'll keep coming back to the scripture. Ever wondered why you're not prospering? Here lies the answer. Here lies the answer. How generous are you? If you hear anything else from me this morning, this is the thing that I want you to remember. Radical generosity breeds radical generosity. Radical generosity breeds radical generosity. It means when I'm generous and I'm, and I'm radically generous, I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm actually setting up my kids for a greater legacy that's beyond myself and even beyond them. Radical generosity breeds radical generosity. So let's read our text from Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance, it's here in the word, among those who are sanctified. I coveted no one else silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and for those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard, in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, I want to share with you this morning briefly four or three essential elements to real generosity. Generous people are focused on eternal things. Generous people are motivated by a vision to help others. It's not just about themselves. It's how do I help others? And generous people are blessed by giving. So let's unpack the scripture together. Generous people are focused on eternal things. We just read, Apostle Paul is writing and communicating to the Ephesian elders, and he says, I coveted no one else's silver or gold or apparel. Apparel is costly clothes. Know that these hands of mine ministered to my necessities and to the necessities of those who were with me. When I read the scripture, I just see the power of this word, coveted. Apostle Paul made sure that he set his heart on the things above, not on material things. The word coveted in Greek is epithumio, which means to set your heart upon something. The question is, where are you setting your heart to? Are you setting your heart on material things that will perish, that will vanish, or are you setting your heart on eternal things? The way we live our lives today, we need to live them by setting our hearts on eternal things, not on the things that will perish. That is why I love Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and wrath destroy and where thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor wrath destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Ever ask yourself this question, why do people set their hearts on earthly things? I believe it is because we put our security on earthly things, forgetting that our security should come from the Lord. It is He who said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. It is He who said, I was young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. He will take care of us. He will look after us. Our God is a radically generous God. He gave His one and only Son to die for us on the cross so we can spend eternity with Him. Remember, radical generosity breeds radical generosity. Our God modeled to us through the cross. He gave His one and only Son. Therefore, we speak about generosity because we're seeing it in our Father. Generous people are focused on eternal things. And secondly, generous people are motivated by a vision to help others. We read in Acts 20, where we've read, verse 33, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. Apostle Paul reminded them that one of the reasons that they're working hard is we can be able to help the weak, those who may not have the means to look after themselves. A generous believer is always prepared to help those who are in need. And there are many ways to, to help those who are in need. It's not just financially. There are many ways we can help those who are in need. I like this. The most obvious lesson in Christ's teaching is that there is no happiness in having or in getting anything but only in giving. There is no happiness in getting, but it is in giving. In fact, the word for blessed is makarios, which means supremely blessed, joyful, fortunate, and happy. We are blessed when we give. Let me read you the story that shows you how generous people can represent God on earth. Early one morning years ago, an American serviceman was making his way back to the barracks in London. He saw a little boy with his nose pressed to the window of a bakery, staring in silence. I, I would call that bakery Fornos if it was in our days, you know. Good cakes right there. The serviceman's heart went out to the little boy, probably an orphan. Son... Would you like some of those? Oh yeah, I would. The serviceman stepped inside and bought a dozen. He took the bag outside to give it to the boy and said, here you are. As he turned to walk away, he felt a tug on his coat. He heard this child ask quietly, Mister, are you God? How is that? Who knows that this young boy had prayed that morning and said, Lord, I'm starving. Can you provide some food for me? He's seeing this beautiful bakery, and while staring at this, someone shows up and just blesses him. And I'm here to say to you that we don't realize that at times when we bless those that are in need, we become like God to them. Because God is using us to meet the need. There is no plan B. We are plan A. God uses us, no one else. God works through us. I remember a few years ago, we did um, a sermon series called You Were Born For This. And one of the things we introduced through that sermon series is the God pocket. 
And some people are still practicing the God pocket today. The God pocket means take a little bit extra cash with you so you can be able to help those who are in need as the Spirit leads you. I can tell you how many times, and you probably have had this experience, you're you're standing on a queue uh, at a grocery store and you're about to pay and someone in front of you is not able to pay everything that's in the basket. And what they tend to do, and they will take out things just to be able to afford to cover that which is in the bucket. And I was thinking to myself, how many times I have that opportunity to be able to say, that's fine, I will pay for that. That is the God pocket. The God pocket is when we become God or like God to those around us. Because generous people are driven by the vision to help others, not just themselves. How can I be a blessing to others? I close with this. Generous people are blessed by giving. It is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Apostle Paul reminds us of this word, makarios. You will be happy when you are blessing others. You'll be joyful when you are blessing others. Giving produces a happy heart. You know, my wife and I, we have, taken generosity as one of our values. We have experienced the joy of radical generosity because we know that giving, it's not about the receiver, it's about the giver. It's what it will do to your heart. And I want to emphasize this point to you this morning. You will never experience the power of generosity until you give with something that costs you. You will never experience the power of generosity until you have to sacrifice something that really costs you, that you feel the pain and hurt when you give it away. You feel like, man, this is sacrificial giving. It is when you do that that you will see God move miraculously over your affairs. I want to challenge you today to be part of a church that is generous. We want to be known not only as a praying church, but we want to be known as a generous church, a church that sees the needs and say, how can we be able to meet the needs of those around us? A church that will be known for loving God, making disciples, and blessing the city. So I want to share with you some of our faith goals. This is a good time to take a picture if you will pray with us to meet these needs. I'm going to go through them very quickly because we're out of time. One of the things we're believing God for for 2020 is to plant a church, as you've had Dorian mention. Every time we maximize this building, we, we want to transplant and plant. That's why we have 10 congregations currently in Joburg. We want to touch the city because one of the key strategies to impacting the city is through church planting, bringing church close to the people. We want to do well in supporting our missionaries. Some of them I've mentioned there. And those who are in ministry partnership development who are reaching to youth and kids in our schools. We want to support other churches. I want to share this testimony with you. You know, through our war chest last year, we were able to give 100,000 rands to every nation Grahamstown. The reason we're able to do that is we've seen how the Grahamstown church has been a blessing to us. It's like they've sent so many people who've graduated from Grahamstown who are now leaders in our church. I see them raising their hands, and some of them are here. Yes, yes. 
They were in the process of acquiring a building, and we said, we want to be a blessing to them. We want to be a generous church. And every nation run back, they're also in the process of uh, buying a building, and we want to be a blessing. We also want to give towards that. That's us being missional. Our city impact is we continue to bless the African havens. We want to adopt a police station as we've been working with the Parkview police station and change one police station at a time to touch the city. That's our faith. Our Tandanani Car Guards project, we want to provide a shelter to these guys so they don't have to sleep on the streets. We also want to have a workplace readiness training for them. Education is something that we want to launch later in the year. We've been praying about it. Is Some of our Haven's kids, they get to matric, and then what's next? We want to be able to fund their tertiary education. And even those in the church who are students who may not be able to pay for their tertiary education, we want to be able, be able to be a blessing to them. And finally, some of the things we trust in God for, Duran mentioned, is medical aid for all staff and also training for our leaders. So friends, we will not be able to do this if it wasn't for your generosity. So please stand with me as we pray. It has been prophesied that every nation rose bank, it is like the Antioch church, which was known for its generosity. But I want to pray this morning that every nation rose bank will be like the churches in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches, that in the midst of a very severe trial, sounds like tough economic challenges. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first to the Lord and also by the will of God they gave to us. So, like the churches in Macedonia, we want to be a blessing to those around us. There's this blanket drive that we do around this time of the year, winter, for our car guards. We get blankets for them. We get jackets for them. So as the Lord leads you next week, bring something for these guys as we continue to trust God to be a blessing to them. But like the churches in Macedonia, our generosity stems from a revelation of what God did for us on the cross. If we have an understanding of what God did for us on the cross, we will be able to be generous. Father, I pray that we will be a generous people, Father. I pray, Father, that God, we will understand that generous people are focused on eternity, helping those in need, being a blessing to our city and our nation, Father. Father, I pray that we will not let resources to limit us from doing the things you've called us to do in the city. We pray that, God, you will enlarge our hearts to be a blessing to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.